Yeah, it's going. You oh, it's going? Kick, okay. Kick, yeah, you can kick this off What's at that? any time. I thought geez. I was getting a fucking hand signal or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Pitcast. we got a very, very special one for you today. i got good news and bad news. I'll put it this way. Good news, Matt Moss is gone. It's me. It's Lorian. Hello. Which brings me to the bad news. Yeah, right. <laughs> you should be so lucky that I'm here, man. Joining us is a very rare contributor. You could pretty much only get this guy if if the podcast is a certain way. It's got to be planned out. You know, you've got to be buttoned the fuck up. It's Nathan Mullen. You got to do your research, man. Yeah, hi. I'm Nathan. Here to talk about a card in my favorite format, middle school. Let's get this show on the road. We're here to talk about Survival of the Fittest, the greatest card, possibly, one of the greatest cards. I figured starting off with a little historical context, we, we all know what middle school is, mm-hmm. the format. Yeah. 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 So right. looking back at actual extended, you know, it started in 1997. The first like sets to rotate out were the Dark Fallen Empires Revised and Fourth. Mm-hmm. That happened in 1999, but they left in dual lands. Weird choice. The next rotation happened in Onslaught Block in 2002. They rotated out Ice Age, Alliances, Homelands, Mirage Block, 5th Edition, and dual lands. And that's basically where we're at. We have some of those cards. We have Ice Age and stuff like that, but that's ostensibly where Middle School falls in the actual history of Extended Rotation. And I will say, keeping in the dual lands, I think, makes a lot of sense because, I mean, we all complain about the mana being bad in Middle School all the time. It's so frustrating. I feel like it's it's my biggest qualm with the format, honestly, is how the you're so advantaged to play the allied color uh, mana bases because of the fetch lands. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know the full history, but I would assume there were just a lot of people... There were either players complaining, or you know, whoever was managing the format at Wizards was like, oh, this format is going to be shit without dual lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> let's, like, take some time... Like, because they can, like, print them in the newer sets, you know, until the next rotation, but... I wonder if that was a consideration. Like, there was a threshold there, where they're like, oh, we could introduce them back in, and then even back... Then in 1999 or whatever, there was this reserve list pressure. Yeah, um, you know the fear of, of value of cards tanking and it was right. a political thing. Who right. cares? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. Where we're at. And then the other thing to look at was the history of the ban list really quickly. Obviously, like I said, format started in '97. Obviously, a huge ban list right out the gate: Demonic Tutor, Balance, Fast Bond, Regrowth, Black Vice, Weird Ivory Tower, Serendip, <laughs> Brain Geyser, Soul Ring, Juggernaut, Strip Mine, Channel, Curd Ape, Mana Crypt, Maze of Ith, Wheel of Fortune, Mind Twist, Zuranorb. Most of those aren't legal in middle school, anyways. Yeah, Zuranorb <laughs> and Black Vice being a couple of the exceptions. Yeah, yeah. And then in, in, that was in July of '97. In October of '97, they banned Hypnotic Spectre. <laughs> that one is like, okay, can we like unpack that for two seconds? Why? Why the fuck do you ban Hypnotic Spectre? Was Dark Rit legal? Yeah. So Dark Rit, okay, so you can turn one Hypnotic Spectre and, uh, you know. And then lose to Swords of Plowshares. Got lo- it. Right. In that same October ban wave, they unbanned Juggernaut because why was it banned in the first place? Because <laughs> it's too good. It was way it's too good. It's a 5-3 for 4 yeah. is unbeatable. Yeah, I guess you can't bolt it. Um, in 98, 
1998 in July, they banned Lantex, which I think people are starting to catch on as a pretty powerful card in middle school. Yeah, that's one of the most powerful enchantments. Yeah, easily. Um, in December of 98, they banned Telerian Academy and Windfall. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, and they unbanned Brain Geyser. Good yeah, we don't, we don't need to unpack that one. <laughs> in March of 1999, they banned Memory Jar, um, which they banned in the middle of the month. There's that whole story. It was retroactively added. It's the March 1st bannings because it was an emergency ban, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. In June of 99, they banned Time Spiral. Um, on, it said specifically on August 1st, they banned Yawgmoth's Bargain. I don't know why. That was just the only thing. It was like, ban Yawgmoth's Bargain. Probably a good call. Um, later on in, in that year, they in September, they banned Dream Halls, Earthcraft, Lotus Petal, Mind Over Matter, and Yawgmoth's Will. A bunch of those are actually legal in middle school. All pretty powerful. They were so aggressive. Yeah, back in the day. In the year 2000, we're coming up on the important one here, is in 2000, in March, they banned Darkrit and Mana Vault, both of which are banned in middle school. I that was like the uh, the big tricks ban, right? Pretty Darkrit much, yeah. I mean, everyone was playing Mana Vault. Still no Vampire Tutor ban. Weird. Um, and then in 2001, this is what concerns us the most. In March of 2001, they banned Necropotence, legal in middle school, Replenish, legal in middle school, Demonic Consultation, not legal in middle school, <laughs> and Survival of the Fittest. So in March of 2001, Survival of the Fittest was banned. And that's where we start talking about the card that we're here to talk about, which is Survival of the Fittest. Right. And should it be banned? And should not. <laughs> I don't think it should be banned. But either way. So uh, Survival of the Fittest, if you don't know, uh, it's one in a green enchantment. With an activated ability, it's you can pay one green, choose and discard a creature card. From That's your, part of the cost. From your hand, which is part of the cost. When you pay the green, the card goes into your graveyard. Uh, search your library for a creature card. Reveal that card to all players, not just your opponent. <laughs> and then put it in your hand. You got to holler at your library. Yeah, one, if you don't know this, when you survive, you have to stand up and announce <laughs> so you know, that, what the card you've tutored for. So no super secret tech here. So the Survival of the Fittest was released in Exodus, which was the third small set in Tempest block. Came out on June 15th, 1998. I guess, fun fact, the Exodus set introduced the creature type Alligator, Frog, Townsfolk, and Whale. It was the first time any of those have ever been printed. Mm, oh, the big whale. Was it, was it the first set that had the gold, like, that had the gold color for rare and the silver color for... I think so. Because oh. Stronghold didn't have that and neither did Tempest, from what I remember. But I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a genius. You can look it up. Um, there were two cycles in Exodus. You had the uh, the Keeper cycle, which was a, which like a group of creatures that you could only activate their abilities if you met... A certain threshold so like if they had more cards in hand than you or you could draw a card and actually keep keeper of the mind his original art was rejected and then got used on an unglued card called censorship because the original art was deemed too misogynistic the other more important cycle that was relevant to middle school is that's where the oath cycle came from yeah so big you, one. you had all you had all the um oath of ghouls all the yeah, Which is all the, the most powerful oath by far, <laughs> the, the one we all know and love. Oath of, well, yeah, you had oath of lieges, oath of scholars, oath of ghouls, oath of majors, and then the fifth one that most people don't play that much, oath of druids. <laughs> kind of an okay card, yeah, not that amazing. These. More importantly, that's when survival came out. So yes. that, like I said, that was June fifteenth, nineteen ninety eight, and we're going to look back at like 
old historical deck list gets more difficult every year as all these sites get closed down and the Wayback Machine is like good in some cases but weirdly they just didn't seem to document this niche card game that like very few people play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will, so I'm really surprised I use MTG Top 8 for a lot of my um, middle school research and I'm surprised they only had one extended deck that played Survival of the Fittest in Yeah. It. So like they're missing a lot. Yeah. yeah. They, they only go back to uh, the earliest you can get is like one or two tournaments from 1998. The way that I was able to do it was looking at on Eternal Central for a while, there were some links to old MTG, like on magicthegathering.com deck lists and articles and stuff. And then SCG just like completely purged their whole thing. So you can still get them, but you have to like manually type in the URLs because the way that they've, I don't know, there's just so much stuff you can't get to anymore. But I was able to find some old things. And the first thing, this is actually relatively easy to find because it was a world champ deck, was Brian Selden's August 12th to 16th, 1998 world champion winning deck keep in mind this was literally two months after survival came out he won the world championship with a rexer deck which i used for the longest time before i did any research on this i'd see like rexer and i'd be like oh like academy rector with survival of the but it's, re it's recurring nightmare survival survival deck so his build a lot like my first build of the deck in in middle school is just four recurring nightmare four survival of the fittest and then, like, whatever the good creatures are at the time. So, like, in his case, a little random stuff like Manowar, Necrotal, Orcish Settlers. Yeah. So he had, like, Feeder Weaver. A toolbox. And then what was the win condition that he usually... Uh, he he did the... Uh, he had Spirit of the Night and... Right. It's like a, a, a Chroma prototype. Yeah, basically. yeah. So right. he, he, he was playing... The very slow, grindy, like I said, four recurring nightmare, four survival, two scroll rack, and then he also played Firestorm, which is like he. It was a four color deck. He's I guess he splashed blue for lobotomy, which you know seems silly nowadays, but it would I guess at the time it was Same powerful. Yeah, he he said it was the key to winning. I remember I remember yeah. he said that it was the that card was the key to him winning the world championship. Yeah, because I guess whatever decks he was playing, he could just like take care of the key card yeah yeah huh. and i guess you also got a figure precursor to main deck surgical <laughs> extraction <laughs> right yeah a terrible decision that magic players have made you know up until today but um you got to figure when you have spirit of the night in your deck too you also have these very fast draws right i mean you have the ability to put to play on turn three, three right turn three if you draw well yeah. yeah, and then he's, he's got the Priachroma, but he has the Spike Feeder, Spike Weaver thing right away. Everyone, or at least he, recognized that that was really powerful. Yeah. The whole scroll rack kind of fixing your draw. He's got one copy of Volrath Stronghold. A lot of the base of this, like Wall of Blossoms and Wall of Roots and Birds of Paradise, a lot of that, the, the more powerful cards in the middle, like you don't really see people playing Cloud Chaser Eagle or Thrall Surgeon, but he even has like one Tradewind Rider in here. So like very right from the get-go, yeah. good players, even at the time we're like oh my god like survival just lets me play whatever i want whenever i want i can just do everything and it really did build itself to a certain point right yeah With the walls and the birds and even he's even got fire action furnace in the sideboard dude was ready for middle school from the get-go <laughs> that's great this deck, this deck blew my mind when i first saw it so i started playing right around like 2003 and i started playing extended a lot mm -hmm. so extended is very nostalgic for me but it was after that rotation where survival i would have been banned anyway but it was even gone i think from the sets mm -hmm. so i sold my collection and at one point i was visiting a friend in salt lake city we went to a card shop and they had these old world championship decks 
And, like, I already had a few, and so I just, like, bought a few more, mm-hmm. including, like, the Matt Lindy for um, Gaia's Cradle deck. Oh, the, yeah, the yeah, mono yeah. green. And yeah. I bought this deck. And so we were sitting back just, like, playing each other with these World Championship decks, and I'm playing the Rexer deck. Like, what the hell is this? What does this even do? Just, like, lose a few games in a row because I didn't understand it. And then when I got it, the toolbox and the, like, recurring nightmare over and over again, my mind was blown. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. hadn't seen a deck like that before. Yeah. It, it is really true. Like, when you look at all the... I mean, there's a lot of powerful decks in the world champ deck series but this being one that's like from super early on it is it seems like way ahead of its time at least within it like within two months of the release of the card i just think it was at least somewhat obvious to people that yeah it does way more than the typical world championship standard deck i mean it was a standard deck yeah that's the other thing by the way we're talking about here this is not an extended deck this is this is a standard legal at the time survival deck which is just crazy um, it is. It really is an example of like an innovation that will a hundred percent last the test of time. It took somebody two months to come up with with technology and the strategy that we still use today. It's like an album. You know, you're like, how the fuck did the first Black Sabbath album come out in like 1969 or whatever? Like, it was so so ahead of its time. It was. Um, so then. Obviously, there were other people were playing it after that in extended or in in standard, and like I said, there's no, I can't find a ton of information on it. But the next big thing that I was able to dig up was right here in Chicago in the year 1999. A relatively well known player Raf Levy got fourth place at the Pro Tour here playing. So on when you when you look through the the list, their their old naming conventions obviously screw everything up because when you look at I can't get all the lists from the event like I can for other ones, mm-hmm. but when you look at the list of players and what they were playing, it's like, oh, look, at this Pro Tour, there's like 10 people playing Rexer. But then when you go to Raf's list, it says it's 5CG, like five-color good stuff, which it kind of is because he's not playing Recurring Nightmare. <laughs> he's, he played five-color Opposition Survival, and he, he got fourth place at the Pro Tour. I think he was the only survival deck that the top aided maybe but again you see the four survival he's got three opposition he's playing force of will arcane denial vampiric tutor and then a whole bunch of other just like etb good stuff creatures so like if you were going to build an opposition survival deck in middle school it might look something like this this is the first <clears throat> this is the first survival list i was able to find with a high finish that also played survival's best friend squee ah uh, yeah <laughs> does it have a deranged hermit no uh, dude, deranged. I was playing. I don't know if it was survival, but it was a deranged hermit opposition deck. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Those cards work well together. Yeah. He. This was more. He's got like Gitu Slinger. It's funny because it has all these cards that you'd be like, oh man, this would go with recurring nightmare. So I'm either thinking that this was not extended and this is standard, but I. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I honestly don't know. It's got like Radiance Dragoons, Gitu Slinger, Squee, Tabi Orangutan, Wall of Roots. This is just like, and, and he's got Winter Orbs and Trade Wind Rider. So it's kind of just like five color opposition with survival thrown in there for the the power i guess yeah this is i think more of an example of not so much a dedicated survival strategy but sort of shows you how free the card can be sometimes yeah in certain decks right all you need the only limitation of survival is how much green mana you can produce yeah like that's really that's the only limitation that density of creatures if you're playing a creature based strategy with a bunch of green mana it's like well yeah why that's why even even this list in the world champs they got four birds four wall of roots it's just like like, go right in there he's got 
two squee. I mean, in one vamp. I don't know what the deck his deck building constraints were or what he was thinking because it's just it's always weird when you see one vampiric tutor. You know, it's like there's no there was no restricted list. You could play four. Yeah, and, and why do you need two squee yeah. as opposed to yeah? And so I think a little bit rough hewn in some places. I'm happy to justify both both of those decisions, knowing nothing about his deck choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and it, yeah. I, I think with the vamp, you don't want too much card disadvantage, and maybe you just want the fifth yeah. survival. Yeah, that, that could be it. And then two force will, four arcane denial is also a strong choice, so pure, yeah. pure value build. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, the next thing that I was able to find, uh, high-finishing historical survival decks, was at GP Sydney in Australia. Um, in 2000, uh, someone named Will Copeman... Got second place playing Counter Survival. He actually lost to Panda Burst, which won the GP. Which I didn't know that Panda Burst had won like a big event. So I thought that was kind of cool because I really like Panda Burst as a deck. But this, it says it's Counter Survival. This is the start of four Force Will, four Counter Spill, spell four Brainstorm mm. in the Survival Shell. Whew. So he's got, and this deck was has a ton of, it, it's also got the four land grants as well, because like we said, they didn't rotate out dual lands. So you can just like land grant for drop of islands. It's like the, the fetch land of so the So we're seeing in, in this example, a super twisted format. I mean, you've got these packages of cards that are just like de facto, right? Yeah, that, that... so he's got the, he's got four trops, two savannas, some forests and islands, four survival, four bird birds, four land grant, four forests, Four Counterspell, four Brainstorm, four Wall of Roots, or three Wall of Roots, four Tradewind Riders, a Squee, and then just like beyond that, it's all just like one of, one of, one of. Monk Realist, Octavi Rangtank, Morphling makes, yeah. makes an appearance finally. So he's got like Weaver, Mother of Runes. Without fetches, he's got eight ways to shuffle after a Brainstorm. Yeah. God, Brainstorm and then Survival. <laughs> yeah, so it's so crazy. <laughs> this deck, also looking at it, has some insanely cool combos. So he's got two Kyrian Rangers in there. They're like, oh, what's what's that for? So he has one Mother of Runes, so he can activate his Mother of Runes twice. <laughs> this is the crazy one. It's like the only other like untap is relevant mm-hmm. thing, or that in Tradewind Rider, obviously. Sure. Tradewind Rider, Kyrian Ranger gets busted. <laughs> but the other thing is he has this one of in here. It is called Counter Survival. It's Stronghold Machinist, which is like blue, blue. I forget what it costs to cast it, but it's this creature you pay like blue or blue blue and tap it and discard a card to counter a non-creature spell so then you can you can counter a spell and if they play another one you can pick up a land untap your stronghold <laughs> machine and then discard the land oh, to counter it oh dirty and then they have that card's like twin in the sideboard which is stronghold biologist same exact thing except it counters creature spells instead so, so this, this is like this is kind of like a prisony take. On yeah, it's survival. got it's four trade four trade wind riders, a bunch of counter spells, and yeah, yeah. This thing just kills you with a two two after it bounces all your lands and counter. Yeah, like spells. most trade wind decks, they just like rely on your concession. You know? <laughs> yeah, not really. Like you can actually beat them down and stuff. But I just think there's he's got the spike weaver, no spike feeder. That's in the board. But you see Spike Weaver, Morphling, and a couple other cards that are kind of like well-known in middle school. At least those two, maybe not in a survival per se, but they can yeah, be. Yeah, it's cool to see them come up, you know, because they're that famous Bob Maher package in, mm-hmm. in Oath. And then the next thing that I found in terms of events was, I think this was the first Masters event, Masters tournament. It's called Masters New York in the year 2000. So this is the tournament where people knew, obviously, about survival. Second at the GP, fourth at the Pro Tour, it won a world champ. It was not this unknown thing. But it seems like, at least from the events that I could get info on, 
this is where all the big names and the big pro players were like, survival's busted in half, (laughs) like, I'm going to play this. So that event was famously won by William Huey Jensen Mm -hmm. with uh, Tradewind Survival. Kind of similar to the deck we just looked at. He beat Blue-White Control, no standstill, uh, in the finals. It was just traditional, like, blue-white control, morphling, counter-removal type deck dot DARPA dot build. So, uh... So what, the, the blue-white deck probably just countered his survival and he conceded on the spot, something like that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, he beat them. He, he, he won the... Oh, he won. He won. Yeah, he, won, he, won, he won somehow. <laughs> Um, well, it's not somehow this deck is busted. So he <laughs> he has the his he is just running four survival, but he's got that same four force, four brainstorm, four counterspell. He's also for to I think to up blue card count. He's got like two impulses and two mana leaks, just other good cards. He's still got that same four land grant because you're playing you know four drops, some savannas, and it's just a fetch land. Um, before Fetchlands. And then he's got four Tradewind Rider, four Wall of Roots, four Birds of Paradise, basically standard operating procedure. The one Squee, the Spike Weaver, the uh, the Kyrian Ranger, Morphling, Ophidian. Uh, he's got Deranged Hermit this time as well. Ophidian? That draws a card when you attack them? Yeah, it deals no damage to them. If it, if it like, would, it deals no damage. You draw a card instead, I think. Does it have Evasion? I don't remember. I, yeah. I don't play with so you're like, that, but... I don't think it does, so you're like locking them down and then yeah. just trying... <laughs> Instead of winning the game, you're trying... I mean, you be, I think sweet. you just win with with, uh, with the Rage Hermit, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you got you got Spike... Yeah, I mean, there's very little attacking. This is mostly just a trade win, survival, beatdown type thing. But you're starting to see, at least, that kind of just convergence on, like, we're always going to have four birds, we're always going to have four wall of roots, one squee, four land grant, four survival, and then, depending on what you want to do, like, if you want to play a trade win, all right, you got the four force, four brainstorm, four counter spell, four trade win, and then you just throw in the usual smattering of goodies. Third place in that uh, tournament was also a counter survival deck. Very, very, very similar deck. He had a red splash in his for um, I don't know what sideboard cards. He's got Masticore in his his list, which which uh, Huey didn't have. Um, he's got some more mana dorks too. He's got four birds, four uh, wall, and two land war elves. Just interesting. He was also playing a counter survival deck. Yeah, really weighing the importance of the turn three or the turn two play survival activate. Yeah, with yeah. Yeah, and then go you. It's very similar to what we do. Then you go get the squee, and then you just work from there. Oh, you know, you played a guy. I'll mana war it, and then next turn I'll go get a massacre and. And just keep discarding my squee. How many? Uh, how many lands and how many creatures in that deck? Uh, so Huey's had sixteen lands, twenty creatures, <laughs> and um, with land grant too. With land grant, oh, this is where you, this is why it's so messed up. Is right. you're seeing this guy uh, Sigurd Escalan uh, had fifteen lands, twenty two creatures. That's so sweet. So right, so ostensibly like, nineteen lands because you have yeah. four land grants, but that's vile. It, right. it, you're getting you're getting lands for free. You're thinning your deck. Yep. You've got all these mana dorks that you can either play to accelerate or to discard to survival. Oh god. That yeah. That's a deck that's it's not just like survival is tacked on for value. It's like built around that. It's card. like turbo survival. Yeah. yeah. And the effective card advantage of having that few lands is like it just shows up over many 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 games. Yeah. So we saw first place trade win survival. Third place trade win survival. Fifth place. Trade win survival. Very <laughs> similar lists. And then eighth place, Bob Maher Jr. He was actually playing Rexer. He had four survival, still one opposition, one recurring nightmare. But he also th- starts throwing in the four duress, and in this case, three vampiric tutor. I'm like, three, not four. Hmm, interesting. But either way, his is more, is less like everyone else's in the top eight, because his is 
19 lands, like actual 19 lands with two fire action towers, mm. and 28 creatures. So he's got Massacre, Bone Shredder, Squee. Okay, I play all those in my survival deck so far. Yeah. Two Trade Wind Riders, so they're in there. Monk Idealist and Monk Realist, so you can blow up an enchantment and bring his back. Two Academy Rectors to go get Recurring Nightmare Opposition Survival. Spike Feeder, Elvish Lyrus, Octavia Orangutan, the Deranged Hermit to like combo with the Recurring Nightmare, which I didn't see before this. Like I know other people had done it, but I didn't ever see a Deranged Hermit in a, in a Recurring Nightmare deck before hmm. this. And you know, Spike it, Weaver, oh sorry, what's up? Like the, just to touch on Deranged Hermit plus, um, plus Recurring, how much damage it does like so quickly, mm -hmm. you know, like late in the game. I, I know I've had that experience playing against you where it's like, you, you untap with the Hermit, let it die. But then those squirrels can come in at, you know, plus three, plus three, plus four, plus, you know, yeah. like by cycling the thing. Yeah. Usually if I'm behind on board and they resolve the range from it, I just concede because you can't beat it. Yeah. If you're behind on board and you don't kill them with like a combo or something, it's so hard to come back from. It's yeah. So combo hard. or like burn them out or, or something. burn them yeah, out. You right, just have yeah. to race them somehow when they're attacking for at least eight of them. But time. the fair yeah. combat plan is, is over. Well, dude, yeah, because it's like the, you can't. You have to race them while they're attacking you and also making a wall at the same time. Because when they bring it back, they make four more tutus. So you're just like, well, I, get, I can't even swing through. Yeah, you know? yeah, you gotta have flyers or something. Yeah. So he was doing the deranged tournament recurring nightmare thing. Also, and, and some of those like ETB cards like Wood Elves. And then he's got the four Kyrian Ranger, four Wall Roots, four Birds of Paradise, and then this spicy Gilded Drake just to ball people. Which is, which is an amazing I have never, ever had that card cast against me in middle school. Really? Probably because it's like $120 or Yeah, <laughs> it's expensive and like, it's kind of one of, the, I think it's a card that people forget about in middle school because Truly. proxying is becoming like, middle school is becoming more friendly to proxying. Yeah. So you could proxy it, but I think because it's expensive, people forget about it. It's like this edge case card. Mm -hmm. So like you could proxy it, but you don't even think about including it in your deck. It's the same way people forget about all kinds mm -hmm. of like Imperial Recruiter. Have you ever seen anyone play that? Uh, mm -hmm. Bob in um, Allure. Yeah, that's about but it. that's about it. I'm not saying it's a good card, but people just kind of, it's like off the radar, you know? So either way, that was the top eight. We got first, third, fifth, and eighth. Pretty much all playing the same except for uh, Bob Maher. And then I was looking at just some other decks from the event as well because at this Masters event, Survival just like... Psh, was everywhere. We got we had uh, Rob Darty, Justin Gary, David Humphreys, and Darwin Castle all playing Special K, which is the biggest amalgamation of of decks I've ever seen. Um, so you have it's Special K ostensibly is a survival of the fittest deck that also plays the Cocoa Pebbles combo that also plays the Ghoul Burst combo. <laughs> so to break that down, we know what survival of the fittest is. We've been talking about it for a thousand hours already. We've got the Cocoa Pebbles combo, which is a Goblin Bombardment in play. Mm -hmm. So you can sack a creature to deal one damage to anything. Enduring Renewal in mm -hmm. play, which Enduring Renewal says, you know, you play with your hand revealed. A lot of people forget that, that you have to show your hand. It's a really weird card because usually when it comes down, the game just ends. Yeah. You usually don't, like, pass the turn. But I've, I've been in those weird situations where, like, you have to jam the Renewal first. And yeah. It makes the game very strange. Yeah. So you have the Goblin Bombardment in play. You have the Enduring Renewal in play. Your, your hand is revealed. Enduring Renewal is like whenever a creature would go to your graveyard, it returns to your hand instead. The third piece of that combo is either a Shield Sphere or a Phyrexian Walker, which are zero mana, O twos, O sixes. They don't do anything, but it allows you to create a loop of sacking the creature and dealing one damage. It's infinite damage. Now, the other thing is Ghoul Burst, which is you have 
the, the, the play pattern for that is you like play a bird, play a ghoul, play an academy rector, sack the rector to the ghoul, and the ghoul gets plus two, plus two. It's two and a, two and a black for like a one, one or a two, two. Whenever you sack something to it, it gets plus two, plus two. So with that line of play, you know, birds of paradise go, Phyrexian ghoul go, academy rector, you win the game right there if they don't have a blocker. You sack the rector to the ghoul to go get an enchantment. You go get Pattern of Rebirth, you set, which you equip uh, to the bird. You then sack the bird to the ghoul, go get another Rector. Sack the Rector to the ghoul, go get a Sapperling Burst, make seven tokens, sack them all to the ghoul and attack for like 22, 24 damage or something. Cool. But because these are all those... Sorry for that convoluted explanation. Mm. But because these are all thrown in together, there's weird things you can do. So if you have the Goblin Bombardment and... Or sorry, if you have an Enduring Renewal and a Fire Action Ghoul and a Zero Drop... You now have an infinitely large attacking creature because oh, you just sack it to the fire action. So they pool. do. Yeah. So there's like blend. little, little yeah. ways they work together. It's not perfect, but you can also just do stuff like if you, if you, you know, if you've played out the game a bit, they've discarded some things. Just like having a fire action goal and a rector still represents a lot of damage because you can sack it and go get a sapling burst or you can do all kinds of goofy stuff. So that was special K. Which that seems like one of those decks that it's like you're kind of banking on your opponent not understand what's going on, and mm-hmm. so like you know they're like, oh, it looks like he's playing a ghoul deck. Yeah. All right, I'll try to protect myself from that, and then you do the cocoa pebbles combo instead. Yeah. Like, you just present enough axes. Yeah. That you can get through on one of them if they block you out from a different one. And yeah. that's something that I think is is another aspect of survival and what it allows you to do in, in a deck. Very easily mash up combinations of cards that normally... I mean, yeah, this, this is ostensible. I mean, I wouldn't say survival in and of itself. The core is like a combo deck, but it kind of is. The tutoring every turn with squeed things. So you've got, like, survival... Coco Pebbles and Ghoul Burst all in one deck, and they, they, they were able to fit it in super well. They even yeah. had, they even had room for like random splash enchantments and four duress. There's like they're able to fit all that in there because what you're doing is so you know, it, you have all the combo pieces for survival, four birds and some wall roots, and then boom, that's it. You throw in everything else, and you're good to go. And the play, like actually playing the deck is so fun because mm-hmm. you're not uh, unlike most combo decks where you're just trying to like get on the roller coaster ride that takes you to victory. You have to cobble together these pieces. Sometimes the bombardment shows up. Yeah. Okay, well, how am I going to craft a win out of a bombardment? Oh, I got to find my rector, mm-hmm. or I'm going all in on my ghoul because the other pieces aren't showing up. Yes, yeah. it's, it's really cool, and it's also a four color deck, which is crazy. Luckily, uh, they had all those dual lands and Man, the five I, color lands, but yeah, this is a no land grant deck, so that, that's interesting. Well, maybe for as much as I bitch about bad mana, we don't necessarily want to see like a billion. No, you don't. Survival that's, what, that's what would happen. You, you know, you, you get all of these this. four or five color value decks. Combo decks. Yeah. Um, then looking further down at some other decks from that, we got some more people, uh, Matt Linda and Kyle Rose, playing classic trade win survival. We've seen seen it, you know, brainstorm, force will, all that good stuff. David Williams, he's a well known player. I think he plays a bunch of poker. poker. Um, yeah, yeah, he uh, played a similar Rexer deck to Bob Maher. His head, an interesting inclusion, one copy of Armageddon. Interesting choice. <laughs> kind of cool. A lot of these same other stuff. Master Court, Range Hermit. 
recurring nightmare. He had some oppositions and stuff like that. There was Alan Comer played a really cool counter survival deck. No brainstorm, but it had three winter orb, uh, four arcane and four force will, and then he played one copy of Pygmy Hippo, which is the coolest card ever. <laughs> okay, yeah, that one is over my head. Yeah, so it's a green and a blue for a two-two from Visions. Uh, this is on the reserve list, by the way. You should know this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pygmy Hippo attacks and is not blocked. You may choose to have it deal no combat damage this turn. If you do, defending player draws all mana from his or her lands, and then his or her mana pool is emptied. After combat, add an equal amount of colorless mana to your mana pool. Oh, so this is relevant in a format with mana burn, right? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise your opponent could just tap the lands and they wouldn't be able to get at you. But yeah. with mana burn legal. Yeah, which is why mana burn needs to be legal. <laughs> because of Pygmy Hippo. <laughs> well, not, Defend it. Not because of Pygmy Hippo, but because it needs to be legal and it should have never gone away. Ever. <laughs> Nor should damage on the stack have gone away, but that's just my opinion. That's, yeah. that's a topic yeah, for another I, time. Yeah, I think I think there's more of an argument for mana burn than damage on the stack. Damage on like damage on the stack doesn't really make sense. Like, how is the Mog fanatic both dealing damage to the blocker and, sa- and sacrificing <laughs> itself to kill something else? Like, it's dealing. Da- it, it's like the damage is in stasis on the stack. Yeah, it hasn't. I mean, I love it. I wouldn't get rid of it. I think it is. I think it's a key piece of what separates middle school from just like some moto online league yeah mm-hmm. but it's wacky it's a weird it's, it's a weird my place. only the yeah. only thing if i had to summarize my argument into like one sentence these cards were designed with those mechanics in play yeah some that's of them, how they were, some de- of them were yeah. <laughs> that's how they were designed the yeah. ones we're playing with yeah yeah yes okay. I, I, I agree and then um so that was alan comer with this pygmy hippo winter orb counter survival deck super Super cool. Cool. And then uh, Frank Canoe playing uh, Survival Opposition, which we'd seen in some of the Tradewind decks. Force Will, Mana League, Opposition, Beatdown stuff. I don't remember where he plays, but a very similar looking list. Olivier Ruel, an, an awesome extended player. He did, he did, a, he's played a bunch of different decks. He played that really cool Red Black Goblins deck with like Chromox and stuff. But Sick. yeah, um, he played Wheaties. Which is very, like Special K, you know, where it's survival, ghoul, Poco Pebbles, but take out the ghoul part. There's no ghoul combo. This is just survival with Enduring Renewal and Goblin Bombardment. Okay. And he, but he also has uh, some other stuff in there, so he's got some recurring nightmares. Um, he's got like a worship and an Oath of Ghouls, which is super awesome. Like, Oath of Ghouls is really cool. I tried playing like a four oversold cemetery deck and then i oh, quickly yeah. realized i'm like wait oath of ghouls is just this but way better you know so he's got the four academy rectors to go get the combo pieces for um coco pebbles he's got um, um some interesting main deck choices you know like a uh, crater hellion which is broken um <laughs> but yeah this is just kind of a traditional like coco pebbles deck thrown in with uh survival and recurring nightmares for unadulterated value Last thing I found from this was a deck by Graf Levy again. He's playing this, it was listed as like Survival Geddon. It's just like a four soil survival deck with four land grants and like two Armageddons. And then just like a bunch of random stuff. Like a bunch of mana generating stuff. So he's got, as opposed to, he still has four birds, but he's also got some Lanor Elves and Priest of Titanias and a bunch of Quirion Rangers. So I think his whole thing was like, I'm just going to cast an Armageddon and then continue to activate survival 80 times a turn. Yeah. Because I have all these elves that are tapping for this man, which is cool. I, he didn't top it with it, but it was one of the more interesting decks I saw. And I know recently there was some 
middle school so, rumblings about survival elves, and this is honestly kind of close yeah. to a survival elves deck. Yeah. And then that brings us to the end of the line for tournament finishing survival decks that I could find mm-hmm. because as we know shortly after this Masters event in 2000 early on in 2001 they banned survival and extended boom so that end of the era yeah that ends our historical discussion on survival of the fittest so now going forward I guess would be we can talk about where survival has gone since then yeah. I mean we it seemed you know it's not legal in legacy they it's been banned there Saw a little play in Vintage with those, you know, Hollow One Bizarre decks. But what we're talking about is where Survival has gone from old extended to the greatest format known to man, middle school. Middle so school. where one of the first things we did when we were looking at middle school is, or I was recommended to do, and I'm sure you have done, is look at cards that are legal in middle school that were banned in their time. Yeah. So you look at something like, okay, Goblin Lackey was banned. Probably a good card to take a look at because that yeah. might mean it's extremely powerful. Yeah. Or, in, or in our cases, you know, you look you look at stuff like, okay, well, Survival was banned. Necro was banned. Replenish was banned. Like, I should probably look at some of these cards because if they're banned in these old formats, they might be really good. And as we know, Survival is really good. And so where are we at now that there's been i mean it's been a while that we've been playing middle school so like what are the decks looking at because i know some of them look like these historical decks yeah yeah Yeah. so to cover what you've already mentioned there's definitely rexer decks around Mm -hmm. those that's a perfectly viable archetype there's a few opposition survival decks but i don't think they've really done that well like they haven't won any event i don't think they've even like top four top eighted events are they playing just like pure survival opposition token guys or are they also doing the trade win thing because a lot of the old ones have oppo trade win most of the most of the opposition decks i've seen play at least one trade win writer mm-hmm. those kind those cards kind of go hand in hand yeah trade win does seem a bit slow for just modern sensibilities of of magic yeah i agree with that i mean right how, like how fast can you even like you can ramp into it and get it out turn three or something you're probably not even looking to do that though. like you're probably not turboing it you're like setting up a board state locking things out and then dropping the trade wind rider to like finish it's like the finisher these old historical decks there seem to be fundamentally two flavors there were the decks that use survival to mash up a bunch of combos and then there the the fair decks looked very prisony where they weren't there wasn't really a haymaker. Yeah. It's just like repeated value over time, countering all your spells, bouncing all your all your stuff. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Like yeah, like you said, you have the combo decks and then you have the fair the fair survival. Like the some of them are just grinding out ETV value with recurring nightmares, some of them are locking you down with counter spells and trade win. And if you're not doing that, you're like Coco Pebbles, ghouling, whatever. Right. And I think the fair survival deck that you play that maybe you could talk a little bit more about. I would also call like a prison deck. I'd yeah, it's an avalanche rider prison. <laughs> yeah, I think most of the time you're trying to just loop riders for a couple of turns, and then because because a, a prison deck doesn't necessarily need to like utterly lock you out of the game. There's like a billion nether voids or whatever in play. Yeah, you destroy enough lands and or you stifle your opponent's mana for long enough to just chip in with your tutus yeah so that like yeah so like fair survival fair survival fair survival survival in middle school whatever flavor that is jund junk rock 
bant, I don't know, whatever that is. A lot of them, yeah, you're just, it's going to be like that. You're going to win an incremental game of value because pretty much no deck can outvalue a survival deck in middle school. It seems like a, like a, if you're just going for like, if I'm going to play a long game and I want to win and I'm not playing standstill, uh, you, the value thing to do is just survival, like always, because you, like we play, we've played games, mm-hmm. the survival versus whatever you were playing, some horrible <laughs> junk deck, where at the end of the game, I'm like activating my survival. I have like two creatures left in my deck, you know? You just grind through it all. Yes, you do. You go through it all. Yeah. But eventually, you it, you don't really need that much to win after you exchange all those resources. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the evolution of where fair survival has gone in terms of middle school. It's, you know, the four survival, you know, four to eight mana dorks, and then whatever colors you are, a bunch of good stuff, and you slowly grind out a victory. But I think we should make a distinction between fair survival decks and fair decks that have survival just incidentally jammed in there like madness. That's what I was just about to say. I was going to say, you've played this. I haven't played it. I played a lot of plain old madness because I like aggressive tempo decks. But that's the other thing is you kind of were, were working on or have been playing for a while the madness survival deck. Yeah, which, yeah. which is a fair deck, but it's different. Yeah, it's a fair-ish deck. I mean, there's there's different ways to build it. So I feel like the problem with Madness is it has these nut draws that are really hard to beat. But if you don't get those, they have really awkward draws. You're like, all right, they take care of your Wild Mongrel, and then you've got two Arrogant Worms. To play. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, oh, I drew a Daze on turn six. That's going to do nothing for the rest of the game. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of awkward. Uh, so if you jam in Survival... Survival works really well with Madness. You can just, like, for, for a green, you can discard a Basking Rootwalla, get yep. another Basking Rootwalla, discard a Basking Rootwalla. At the end of the chain, get a Wonder in your graveyard. You can do all of that at your opponent's instep, untap, attack, and pump for, like, you know, anywhere from, like, 3 to 12 damage in the air. Yeah. Unblockable. So, it ha- yeah, it's one of those survival play patterns that I really, really like, where you could just literally play the enchantment, survival of the fittest, with nothing on board, and some cards in your hand, and some mana, and win the game the next turn. The world is your oyster. Yeah. Just sit back. And, like, that's good. survival is good enough just in madness, but it also enables, like, I added white, because uh, Bant is, like, a good, you get the eight fetch lands. Mm-hmm. And then you can also jam, in middle school specifically, uh, this two-card combo, Acroma and Loyal Retainers. And so you literally, like, the thing that I love about that combo so much is that it's self-contained within the survival. You don't need a Rexer. You don't need anything else. Yep. You just discard the Acroma to get the Loyal Retainers, untap, play the Loyal Retainers, attack with some other flying shit that, you, that is flying because you have Wonder. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah. It doesn't end the game on the spot. It's not, like, a insta insta combo, but it ends the game very quickly. Yeah, but it's, like, something that the regular survival deck lacks which is like a like a, a card that can go over the top easily in and yes. of itself or like my experience like you were talking about playing madness i played a lot of madness and my experience being like when the game gets to like turn five and they just play a ravenous bailout you're like oh. you know because <laughs> yeah. a four four is really good against you like you can, so you can much, attack yeah. into it and usually win in combat but that's going to cost you like three cards and sometimes you don't have that and then not only does it cost you those cards, and then they gain the four life. So there's just stuff like that. Madness is yeah. really a, aided by the 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 value of, of a survival being in it. Yeah, it would be like madness would be quite. A, I think it would be good enough on its own if you had tropical island. Yeah, I think that yeah, inclusion would would make it so good because yeah. you could like daze things and keep up counter spells and also have green mana for your arrogant worms and your wild mongrel. But because you don't have that, yeah, like, you, have, you have to play a two color deck with city of brass. 
Blue <laughs> green mana is wretched. Plus the additional demand that 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 days has. And uh, you know, if if you're not playing days in your madness deck, it's kind of like well, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice between being more aggro with days and being disruptive, uh, like a tempo deck, yeah. or you take the slightly like you can have those fast draws with force of will, where you're like play a wild mongrel on two, play an arrogant worm on turn three. Force of will, whatever you're doing, have circular logic backup, kind of lock out the game from there with six power in play. You can get those draws, but then you can also have slower draws of just like, oh, you know, I'll play something as a blocker, a small attacker, and then I'll just start getting this um, survival value. And you can play things like Gilded Drake. You can play Mana War if you want to. You can like, you can have like a real small. I think the key to that madness deck is like having a lot of madness slots and just a few toolbox slots. When yeah, when you're playing survival, mm-hmm. it's just like you, if you can throw in the value, you probably should. Especially because a lot of the random cards in in madness, I don't know. Do you need like when you're playing mad when you're playing survival, you don't need all the aqua amoebas, right? You can like trim on those. I play one aqua amoeba, yeah. Yeah. I fucking, okay, there you go. I fucking hate that card. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I just wish that it was a blue wild mongrel, and if it was a blue wild mongrel, then I would play four of each. Yeah. But it's yeah, just like it is way worse than wild mongrel. It's just like one of those cards that you have to play in a madness de- in just like a normal madness deck yeah. because you need it to turn on everything else. But I would just so much rather play. Survival in that's like to replace Aquamiva. Yeah, it's just, just way that. better. Yeah, it, right. It yeah. In, the, in the survival version of Madness, what are your turn one plays? Um, probably in this one. So a nice thing about Survival Madness is that you can play things like four Birds of Paradise. So you do play birds. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, curious yeah. about that. Right. You want to, so you can activate the survival. So you can times. so you can activate the survival, but it's terrible in a normal Madness deck. Like you would not play birds because it just sits there and does nothing. Yeah. But you can always discard later birds to survival. So it's kind of like a free four of that you can, that will just fuel other things. You can get a squee or a chrome or whatever. Other survival decks that you play in middle school, we we got the fair recurring nightmare or non-recurring nightmare. Like fair survival builds, madness survival build, which is ostensibly a flavor of a fair uh, survival deck. And then there was this. El- I played against it recently, but I that was just one time. Uh, the elves survival deck. That's just like like we were talking about with Raph Levy's Armageddon deck. It seems like what just like leveraging an insane amount of mana advantage with survival. Yeah, it's really. I mean, survival is just such a perfect slot for that deck. Most of the times they're playing four Gaius Cradle as well. Okay. They're playing all of these like little shitters that they're playing out on turn one, turn two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absolutely dominating. Like it, it kind of. I don't know currently, but a few months ago it was like completely dominating a bunch of pre-modern tournaments, which I kind of look at the results of those. Mm-hmm. In a recent uh, Romancing the Stones League, the most recent middle school one, I think there were like 40 players. Yeah. The finals was non-survival elves versus survival elves. Yeesh. And my prediction was that I uh, I commentated for that. My prediction was the survival elves would win because it had survival. And <laughs> yeah, mass, main deck Masticore. Ooh. And so that is exactly how it played out. The non-survival <laughs> elves had this like insane nut draw. The survival elves did not have survival game one. And so the non-survival elves just ran them over. But like shit like Priest of Titania mm-hmm. taps is uh, it is um, symmetric. So it taps for 
all elves in play, not just elves. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, when I was playing against uh, against it the other weekend, I thought the same thing because I was playing my Jun survival deck, which, by the way, stands like no chance against that deck pre, yeah. pre sideboard. Post sideboard, the games get a lot better because you have engineered plague and other things like that. But he had played a priest of Titania, and I had I need, I wanted to go get what did I want to go get? Whatever it was, it wasn't whatever the card I was searching for was an elf, and I was like, oh man, I can't. I mean, I can give him the one mana, but I'd rather not. Yeah, it is. It is like the uh, like the old slivers, right? It's for everybody. If you if you play a sliver against another sliver, it's symmetrical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's a deck where survival fits in perfectly. It doesn't play land grant. I haven't seen land grant in that deck, but it basically it runs very few lands. Okay, it just runs a shit ton of uh, mana dorks. So that's how it like makes sure that it hits its quote unquote land drops. If you ever draw a guy's cradle, the game just gets so much harder for the for your opponent to win. Yeah. It just goes completely hand with things like Priest of Titania, Quirion Ranger, the um the, not quite Elvish Visionary. Yeah, not quite the Multani's Acolyte, yeah. the um, Wirewood Symbiote. <laughs> yeah. Just makes a ton of mana. It can play things like uh Deranged Hermit as a win condition, Kamal. Yeah. Mastercore to just wipe your board. That's what happened in games two and three. Just like got the the non survival opponent got completely Mastercore out of the game. Yeah, yeah, where you just make 10 mana and play your Mastercore. Yeah, that's good enough, too. I played against not survival elves like a long time ago, early on in middle school. I played against someone who was just playing like a red-green mana deck with survivals. And it's just like all these big dudes and big things. But every game I was playing this uh, more fair survival deck. And every game ended when he had like a bunch of dudes in play. And I was kind of like holding the line. And then he'd be like, all right, tap my guy's cradle for like eight play my other guy's cradle, make 16, cast Massacre. I was just like, uh, <laughs> like one-sided board yeah. wipe? Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. This guy, I think it was in game two, he literally, like, he had enough mana. I think it was Priest of Titania. It might have been Guy's Cradle, but he had so much mana he had access to. He played Survival, Survival for Masticore, played Masticore, and wiped out like four or five one, uh, one toughness creatures from his opponent. It was just, God, it was just a massacre. That is ridiculous. Um, right. but, but which does seem like another example of like, there's already this Elves deck, and then you just jam Survival into it. Yeah, yeah, and it gets so insane. It just <laughs> yeah. gets, it just gets better. Like that deck. Can definitely be beaten, but you can't dick around. Like you can mm. race it, you can try to race it. One of the one of the I think it was a quarterfinals matchup was like burn versus survival, and the burn player was just like trying to kill all of the elves. I think trying to keep them off five mana so they couldn't play deranged hermit. Yeah, but the guy had survival in play. Yeah, you, like as a burn player, you just do not have enough burn to take care of all of the elves. Like that's not you just have to race. Yeah, because yeah, you're never gonna be able to keep up. No. Every every they're just gonna tutor a new one every turn. All right, so that's survival elves. So we got the the fair survival, the rexer, madness elves. What we had seen in in that last masters tournament was a bunch of special K and Wheaties, which by the way are highly playable. I think I don't think a lot of people play them. Either they don't know about them, they don't have the cards for them. I mean, survival's not cheap, but it's possible mana is a consideration here too when you're talking about these three four color. I think it's all right combo decks that you got the paintings. But I mean, some of these are playing white, white enchantments. Like yeah, but you don't ever cast that, man. You go get it with the Academy Rector. It's a three. It's demonic tutor and black lotus on one card, <laughs> as someone might say. I also like so the deck that we haven't really talked about is full English breakfast, which I feel like as a survival combo deck is so much more direct. Yeah, and, and I think more uh, robust against disruption. 
than like a Wheaties or a Special K deck. Yeah. Yeah. I've been playing this version that Mullen sent me. Initially, the he sent me the Shell, which was the full English breakfast combo, mm-hmm. which has two variations. There's the Triskelion, uh, Phyrexian Devourer. Devourer. I don't like that one. Combo. Personally. Yeah, we, we can we can chit chat about this too. And then there's the the essentially just Phage or a Chrome. It's the Volras Shapeshifter combo. Yes. Sorry. These are these are two variations on the Volras Shapeshifter combo, which is a is a one blue blue for an O one, and it becomes the top creature of your. No, it creature. doesn't become. It just is. It is. It, it is, is always the top creature. It, 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 it yes. is. No, it's always. Yeah. The it, the wording on it is so dumb, and yeah. it's such a goofy card. But basically, it is. It is like if there is a creature on top of your graveyard, it is that card. It Otherwise, is. it's the O one, which means it comes in, triggers, enters the battlefield abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. If you cast it that way, that's why we play with Knox. We're still not sure if a if a. Phantom Neshoba is on top, and you cast the uh, Shapeshifter. Does it get the seven plus one plus one counters? So if anybody in the audience, if there are any judges or anything that know, yeah, we would like to know the answer to that question. My hopes and dreams, as like uh, you know, little kid magic, would be that yeah, it comes in with them, and then when it changes to something else, the plus one plus one counters stay there. It keeps oh, the counters. So have, if it gets the counters, they definitely yeah, stay. because yeah. then you have just yeah, like yeah. oh, I have this like twelve twelve fade. But yes, yeah. help us. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> twelve twelve chroma. But, but yeah, help yeah. us. Help us with the uh, with the my my actual guess is that it you you play it and it dies immediately to state-based effects because it's a zero zero yeah right <laughs> that's the, my guess the, because i'm a cynic but right and it doesn't have the same text as like a lot of the clones have which is like as it comes into play yeah it's different it, it just it's does, static it's enters, just is yeah. yeah it just is but it only is when it's in play because it so can it, be blue blasted on the stack or, or sorry or red red blasted, red blasted because it can be red blasted on the stack on the stack it is and oh one, I don't know. We, yeah, we, we I need help here. I'm seventy five percent sure that it is that it does not get the counters. Okay, but, but maybe R- regardless of all that. The two, oh, we're, yeah, we're talking the, about the, the two, two flavors the of full <laughs> yeah. English breakfast are the Fire Action Devourer Triskelion, which we don't need to talk about because it's garbage. But the <laughs> other one is the you know normally you can't put Phage into play in any way. But this guy kind of circumvents that. As long as it's not the top card of your graveyard, you don't want to cast Vorash Shapeshifter when Phage is on top. But you ostensibly turn it into a phage with damage on the stack or whatever and immediately kill them. The thing that Carter's talking about is that shell, so four survival, you know, four shapeshifters, a phage and a chroma, with kind of a more uh, blue tilt to it. So you got force of wills. I played impulse, but the the key thing is you playing four stifle and four three to four fire action dreadnoughts in that same shell because they work so well together. Yeah, so we're th- kind of throwing back to these old lists, right, that are using survival to jam these unlikely combos together. Yeah, and it just seems like these two would go very well together. Like we, like I was mentioning before with Wheaties, right? You have a survival deck, so you take the core of that for survival, some mana dorks, and you're like, okay, rather than playing all these one-of value creatures, I totally have room to throw in, like, a Phyrexian Ghoul, an Academy Rector, and these other couple enchantments, maybe even a Recurring Nightmare, and... Now I'm doing the value game, but I also can just win out of the spot. So here it's like, okay, we're not, we're playing a less traditional survival deck from the start. We're playing a, a combo build with Vora Shapeshifter, Phage, we got that. But because we're not focusing on a value engine here, there's room to throw in eight other cards. Like what are other good two two card combos that are in blue green? Stifle not. <laughs> yeah. Like the you know, 
It just seems like a seemed like an easy thing to throw in. And the the thing that I really like about this deck is that a lot of survival decks they just want every tool in the toolbox, and yeah. that's great when everything is going well for you and you like need a particular answer, you need a particular threat. Yeah. But you end up with these awful, awful. Uh, opening hands yeah, of yeah. just uncastable shit, just a handful of uncastable shit. Uh, yeah. So replacing a lot of those one-ofs that are like situationally good with just the Sifle Knot combo, which like, Sifle can be relevant. It's an underutilized card. I, a thousand percent Sifle is criminally disruption. underplayed. Yeah, it fights disruption in a really relevant way. And so, right, you're just like jamming this second win con if they happen to get your survival like duress your survival that works really well i mean you can also just like literally if you don't have anything else and you just have a dreadnought and a shapeshifter like that's enough you play you play the shapeshifter you discard the dreadnought then you're attacking for 12 you have a 12 12 train that's fine you, sometimes you can discard the thing in response to like a lightning bolt there's Woo! all there's all kinds of it just works very well because it, like you have the stifle Dreadnought, but then you also have Shapeshifter Dreadnought, so you basically have two separate ways to do the combo. If you don't have anything, congratulations, you're playing a survival deck, so you can just discard the Dreadnought and get something that matters. There's like a million different ways to do it. And you still have some room to play some number of toolbox E cards, but most of them aren't going for like pure value. So you have like the uh, Iridescent Angel or the Hypnox thing, which is really fun to do, just like shred away your opponent's entire hand. I consider Hypnox. Honestly, plan A. Yeah, that's my favorite card in the entire deck. Plan Plan A <laughs> is to mind twist someone on turn three. Yeah, yeah. Which is and then fun. you'll find a way to win. It right. Well, Hitmax is an eight eight in itself, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, they have no cards in hand. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot more. I mean, I see you go for it a lot ever since you after you started playing the deck. I will let the listeners to this know that when I sent Carter my original <laughs> list. And the next time we met up, he said, yeah, I made a few changes. I'm like, cool, I'm interested to see what you did. And after playing several games, I'm like, why are you, why is it taking you so long to kill them? Why aren't you just going for it? He's like, I am. I'm like, well, where, where's the Acroma? And he's like, oh, I cut that. It's not that good. <laughs> I just, I saw Acroma as like a value, like, no. oh, it's just another like good card. Yeah. If you not realizing that it has fucking haste. And yeah. The yeah, point is like the best haste creature. The point yeah. of Acroma in the deck is to make it so that when you go for the combo, you can do it all in one and turn. Win and win in the same yeah, turn. That uh, learning curve. Yeah, learning curve. But in, but in the other way, like you're talking <laughs> about what your new plan A thing is, was also something that I really enjoyed. You, the, the play pattern of, you know, land, bird, go, land, survival, go, pitch something. I mean, if you have Hypnox in hand, it's gravy. You pitch Hypnox, go get Shapeshifter, untap, play it. You mind twist them, and you, you now have an 8-8 flyer. They have no cards in their hand. Yeah. And whatever they manage to put into play in their first two turns is what they're yeah. working with. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully that, that'll, that'll win you the yeah. game, bro. So, yeah. And you can even do that, like, even if Hypnox isn't in hand, you just need another land. Exactly. So discard something, you get Hypnox, untap, discard Hypnox, play the play the land, play the shapeshifter. Sometimes you have to gamble there, you know, if you don't have the land in hand. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think Ooh, that's, what do I do? I think that's reasonable. That's reasonable. So you play, you don't play any fetch lands. His list doesn't play yeah, fetch lands. which works, like, I, I don't think you can play fetch lands with shapeshifter, because shapeshifter is powerful, but it's so goofy. Yeah, it's you really fucking... You cannot fuck with your graveyard. But you do play yeah. two gemstone mine, which you've been talking about maybe cutting one or both of those. Yeah, those might be my, city of bricks. Yeah, my my mana base is pretty horrendous because it, it's just so frustrating. Like I'm playing a two color deck, but then I have to play these awful 
like five color lands. Dude, my original list has like five or six fetch lands in it though. I don't I don't love it, but it's the man is so wonky. Yeah. You really need Chop Island for that deck. <laughs> oh. Can you imagine? And yet he somehow won a tournament without him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I think there needs to be some amount of city of, of brass there too. It's just so tilting that you have to play five color lands in a two color deck. It's just like it hurts my soul. Yeah. It is what it is. I'm think the changes I'm thinking of making I'm looking at my list right here. I'm probably we're talking about throwing in the Psychotog, and I think I'm also going to play a Morphling. Dude. I think I might play a Morphling. You know what? Card. I played I played a Morphling in uh, Tricks. It should uh, yeah, like blue red Tricks. Yeah, <laughs> a terrible deck. Nobody should ever play it. Yeah, because you should be playing Esper Tricks with Necropotence <laughs> in Academy. Right? You're, you're realizing that blue red control with one Morphling is just better than Tricks. <laughs> yeah, like, that's me. And so I was like, weird. I was like, I was so, always so happy to have the Morphling in my deck. <laughs> Like, uh, fuck this awful combo. I'll just, like, play a Morphling and win. Yeah. Well, Full English Breakfast, I think, is at least currently my favorite build of survival. I have yet to actually sit down and play many games with it. I've mostly just been theory crafting it and mm -hmm. letting Carter play with play with the deck. Win with it. Um, play with it's it, yeah. Letting an inferior player pilot the deck so I can make the necessary changes <laughs> to play at my mastery level. But The version that you have, I think, is a deck that I would actually play. The thing that I found really frustrating with just the straight Full English Breakfast deck is that, like... You are one duress away from losing the game. We still have that problem from time to time. The deck is yeah. not that resilient to discard. But yeah. it's more resilient than the traditional list. Like when I borrowed Jayco's original list, like when we first started playing, he made like 35 decks and you'd just pull them out of the little box, the treasure chest. And mm -hmm. I remember playing his and... Which was ambitious in terms of uh, mana and... Ambitious in terms of mana. I played against Nick Rohr, who loves... You know, stacks and discard and playing <laughs> yeah. four duresses every game. So I just remember having a very difficult time with that. Um, and the amount of ugly opening hands, too. Yeah. Because it's like, not only do you have these clunkers, but then you have more colors to worry about. It's it's really rough. I think blue-green's the way to go. Yeah. So that, that's that's FEB. And I started talking about it briefly before. The other survival combo decks, you don't see them that much. McGrew, I, I saw playing uh, Ghoul Burst a while ago. Those, those survival decks, I think, are a lot more linear. And they have, a, like, you can have the, the, the nut draws in Full English Breakfast, you know, or the Stifle Nut draws. But the thing that I, I always liked about, like, the Special K or the, or the Wheaties decks is the very similar, very straightforward linear plan that's also kind of, like, redundant. Like, every piece of that deck is, is a redundant piece. And being, being able to go, like, birds into ghoul into win, like... It, it you I've won games on turn three off like a mold of five. You know, you can yeah. just draw, if you just draw the right things. McGrew's deck was pretty interesting. I think it was in a, I don't know it was in a league. I don't know if it was in the Romancing the Stones League or another middle school league, but he had some interesting stuff. Like, I watched him one game, he had Necro and Form of the Dragon in play. I love so he could like, Dragon. he could like Necro down to one. Go back to back five. Up. Yeah, I do kind of. Th I think as going forward, like having played a decent bit of Cocoa Pebbles and stuff, every time I that's play, the Cocoa Pebbles. Yeah. Well, yeah, every time I play Rector decks, like even in my my Special K or or my Wheaties decks or the Ghoul Panda Pebble Burst, whatever. Anytime I'm playing Academy Rector, I always look at like mm, I should probably play Form of the Dragon or just some like because sometimes you don't have the combo rolled up and you just want something that kind of like win, like doesn't win the game but like also wins the game. A lot of people can't beat Moat. I mean, yeah. Yeah, good. Form of the Dragon's really good. I was, actually, I was playing my goofy, um, it's like Oath of Druids, Academy Rector into Earthcraft, or uh, Squirrelcraft deck. 
that also has Form of the Dragon. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's like a junky toolbox deck that does not play survival. Okay. Uh, but I played against the, like, basically the Elves deck that won that Romancing the Stones mm -hmm. league. And game one was very much in my favor, especially with, like, Oath. I would just, like, Oath into Rector, get, like, a Form of the Dragon, or even get, like, a Sterling Grove to protect my Form of the Dragon. Yeah. And then just, like, or, like, a uh, Solitary Confinement, just, like, lock my opponent out of yeah. doing really anything game one. That's sweet. Yeah. So those are like the couple random flavors of survival combo. You know, we talked about Fulingish Breakfast. When I first started playing these like Wheaties and Special K decks, I thought they were this crazy innovation, but they were playing that back in 2099. That, that was a known thing, the, those two different combos. I mean, Co Coco Pebbles, the original one outside of survival, did pretty well at Pro Tour Chicago as well, which is where Raph Levy had his five-color survival deck. So they were already kind of coming into their own there, and then as time went on, they got... Jammed in. I think the last thing to do here would be like what rate the current middle school survival decks on like a tier scale. Mm. Um, where because it, it look after going over the historical stuff, it's very clear that people heavily favored the blue based counter opposition trade wind rider survival decks at the time. I mean, they're playing like 15 land versions of it with land grant, and those were all the people who were doing very well. I think Rexer was the initial breakout deck, and then that kind of became secondary to the trade win counter survival, and then you had some other things going on here. But in our current landscape, what would you, how would you tier out the survival decks in terms of power ranking? So to start with that deck, I would say no one has broken that deck yet. So as it stands now, it is not a tier one deck. Yeah. I think it could be possibly if somebody like really perfected a list, but nobody has gone toward that. Like trade, trade, trade win trade, counter trade, survival. Trade win counter. I think it's just too slow. Okay. That that is my that would be my main criticism of it. Okay, there could be a list out there, but there is not a list that currently exists. Yeah. So currently it is not a tier one. So if you're a trade wind tinker, get some survivals and get on it. Yeah, work it out. Yeah, I'm sure there's a build out there. Three or four are guys cradles. I'm guessing is the, is the okay. current. It's the current. Sure, I could see that. All right. So what what's what are like the tier one premium sweet sweaty neckbeard tryhard uh, tournament winning dude, survival build? Elf survival is just insane. Yeah. Whether you're playing a single mountain for anger or not, it oh, just boy. has such insane value. Okay. That you really just have to like there's just too many axes to fight a fair long game. Mm -hmm. You have to win before they get the just all the elves in play and all the mana and the guy's cradle and the survival. Yeah, that's that's tier one for sure. Okay, survival elves tier one. Would you say that's the best survival deck right now? Ooh, FEB is up there. I do think I do think unfair survival has a leg up, probably in terms of a tier mm -hmm. over fair. Okay, I think fair survival does something that other decks can do um but unfair survival has such consistency in its game plan mm -hmm. it has fast draws it has resiliency it has you know personal howling mind that survival is sometimes yeah so i think i think if you're trying to recurring nightmare people mm -hmm. that is not as good as trying to put together like two three card combos i will say looking at uh tournament results um yeah, I don't see that many Rexer decks, like, going off. I think they're, like, when I play games with them, like, pickup games, I feel like I have a decent to positive win rate. Like, I'm, you win most of the games, lose some of them, and I'm like, yeah, this deck's really good. And then every time I'm about to go play in one of our events, I'm like, 
I don't want to play this. <laughs> I think there's just a lot of shit that beats it, you know? There's like, there's like yeah. hand disruption beats it. The right counter spells at the right time. Graveyard it. hate. Graveyard hate beats it. Yeah, I mean, what do you do when you're, play, uh, when you're playing that deck and you, uh... I mean, a lot of times I'll just, like, play against Enchantress, so it's like, oops. <laughs> Guess I won't win. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you mind twist someone on turn three, you're like, this is busted. Yeah, because like, you're going to play a game. Yeah. Okay, so... We're saying survival elves, easy tier one. Lorian's pick for best survival deck, which is probably a yeah, fair-ish, but also super proactive. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say my, I think the the best survival deck right now is either Feb or um, some combo survival deck. I, th- I just think Pulling's Breakfast, the current build that we, that we have, is just so crazy. You like maybe it's just because you're a huge luck sack and the draws that you get are so <laughs> which absurd. is fucking true. Yeah. By the way, um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it, it it's it reminds me of some of the other decks I played where no, it's, it's like if, if you run out, it's insane. It's good. It can. Consist- Consistently gets to top eights, you know. Like I think the problem that it runs into is it's uh, it can e- be easily disrupted. But yeah, that's like winning a tournament is is partially luck. It's mm-hmm. it's having reasonable matchups, yep. having reasonable draws. It's not encountering the best cards against you. Yeah, yeah. Or right, even encountering decks that have those but just don't have them. They draw. don't draw it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tier one consensus elves feb. Okay. Yeah. Tier two. I think you have to put like the every stripe of fair survival because they're literally they, they're so much like the rock, right? They're just like 50-50 decks that will outgrind you. Yeah, like madness, um, junk, junk. Yeah, yeah. What, whatever flavor, rock survival, any of those, like I think, just automatically are like tier one point five, tier two. Um, I've had a lot of success with my. Bant Madness survival deck. But yeah. I don't like because I'm the only one playing it, I don't think there's really enough data to suggest that it's tier yeah. one, but I think it's very good. Yeah. And then I guess below that would we put stuff like the Wheaties and Special K and Ghoul Burst. Not because they're uh, I think they're all the same. I think it's just like there's the two tier one decks and then there's everything. There's only so bad like a survival deck. Yeah, that's yeah. actually kind of true. Yeah, because it, it, at the end of the day it's survival. I I do hope people look into stuff like Wheaties and Ghoul Burst and Special K a little bit more because they're they're super interesting decks. I know when I started playing Cocoa Pebbles for a while, a lot of people didn't know that was a deck. And then people show up with like Fruity Pebbles and other people try building it. I think if you don't know about it, look into the old Ghoul Burst list. Look into the old Special K and Weedy stuff because those combos are super cool. And yeah. if you don't remember what's in those, look up Firexion Ghoul, Enduring Renewal, Goblin Bombardment, Sapperling Burst, all that, all that good stuff with survival. It's just uh, they're they're super cool decks. They're super cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that I think that about caps it off, right? Past, present, and future. Yeah, and it's the thing that I think is most interesting is that aside, I mean, Fulling's Breakfast is an old archetype, but most of the decks that we're playing right now, despite years of advanced simian knowledge that we've all pulled together with these cards, not a lot has changed. And maybe their decks are a little more efficient. We have we're not playing silly cards anymore i mean less silly than some of the old ones they played but a lot of the stuff the whole over uh, overarching deck builds are the same just the innovations have changed yeah, slightly there's like very incremental changes like one example i'm thinking of is um the slide there's some pre-modern slide decks that are pretty popular right now that play four urza's bobble mm. so just like these small incremental value cards are like realizing that portent is actually a good enough card yep when you don't have brainstorm that you want to you want to put mm-hmm. it into a survival deck in order yeah. to get that and that's very much like modern deck building sensibility that's what i mean even when we're looking at these survival decks it's kind of like you take their ideas because they were good ideas with 
modern deck building techniques and you get kind of where we're at now. Not like the, none of these decks that we mentioned in middle school are wholly original. No. They're just freestyles on the old classics that the big ballers of the late 90s, early 2000s came up with. And honestly, that to me, that was the best era of Magic. That's when, around the time when I started playing, and now we get to play it to this day. It's the best format, easily. Not even close. <laughs> There's literally not even one other format that is close to as good as this format. And you know who you are. <laughs> Until next time, my friends. <laughs>